Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society Podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now, to muse on our relationship with technology and how to redefine what society means in this new age. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Hello, everybody. This is a part of a new episode, and I hope you, you watched the first one or listened to the first one. It's, uh, it's kind of a joke, but we're serious. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. Bruce, how are you doing? Okay, I'm doing okay. I've got my, <laughs> my, my glass tumbler here, ready to... Ready you know, to I think it's becoming a tradition, because when I was editing the other one, I, I had a coffee. I realized it's like that's my way to be in a bar at about uh, 1.20 in the afternoon, so I'm not going to drink a beer or wine right now, and... You have water, but you still still qualify as a drink, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we're still going to be on a mission to figure out what the microbe, the cell, the carbon, the silicone, you know, whoever else is in the bar, what, <laughs> what they're actually going to say. So, Hopefully not many bacteria. But, uh, <laughs> <sorry>, maybe for later. <laughs> uh, so the story, the story here is that uh, we, we get together once a month. This is the second time. Well, officially it's the third time, but the first one wasn't related to to this although it's, that's where it gave us the idea to to get together and and have this uh this conversation which is related to one two three four five things that got your attention in between our session and i would say let's start with a little introduction about uh, yourself which i can i can read you want me to read it from the website sure go go for it bruce why because we need to put the why there yes. otherwise people may think that I just have a different kind of podcast. Uh, Bruce Wiley uh, is a writer, a journalist, a professor, artificial intelligence, computational and digital health expert and entrepreneur, but not always in that order. So the question is, what order are we going to address things today? What do you feel more today than of all these things? 
Well, it all depends on, you know, it's all depends on the minute to minute or, or hour to hour. But, uh, you know, so yeah, one of the things I do is I, um, you know, cover health, uh, healthcare science, um, for Forbes. And so, you know, we're in a bar, uh, we're in a virtual bar right now. Uh, and it made, made me think of one of the things that I wrote about or covering, you know, I've been covering every now and then I'll cover these different types of TikTok trends. Um, and of course, you know, as you know, if you're told something to, to do something on TikTok, then it's absolutely 100% factually correct. Um, and one of the trends was beer tanning. Uh, I just thought about that because, you know, we, we are in the bar. And so there's actually this trend that's going around where people are telling you to take beer and you go out in the sun and you pour beer all over yourself. And that's supposed to help you tan um, because the hops in beer is supposed to activate melanin that all may sound all well and good uh but you shouldn't do that <laughs> i was thinking that was going to be your point but let's explain why yeah well so first of all beer essentially has an spf of zero maybe <laughs> one or so so you're basically going out there and you're cooking out there um in the sun with all the ultraviolet you know radiation which can as we know can damage the skin it can lead to all these things like actinic keratoses it can make your skin age um uh faster and 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 i think for the most part most people don't want their skin to age faster but you never know um you know you might be trying to get that gandalf look uh but uh then uh you know of course there's also the risk of um heat stroke but you know everyone wants in, in particular is worried about skin cancer when you go out to the sun and, and get too much sunlight uh so that's a real concern so you're essentially having beer covering you without anything even if you put suntan you know sunscreen that might wash off that sunscreen uh so that's one problem uh two is you smell like beer if you cover <laughs> yourself with beer and that uh you know Last I checked, there aren't too many fragrances or colognes out there. They're beer-based, uh, you know, sort of makes you feel, smell a bit like the, you know, the floor of a bar or the floor of the bathroom in a bar or a nightclub. That's not great. Um, so you're not going to attract a whole lot of people doing that. Um, but you may attract flies, flies and bees and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so in general, not a good idea to do that. Uh, there are many safe ways to tan. You can tan with sunscreen, you know, even if you have SPF 30 or above, you can still 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 tan. Um, so, yeah, one of the things I do is I, you know, keep keep an eye on some of these different types of social media trends. Um, you know, there, there is that. And then there's also a social media trend where people were advising uh, folks to uh, to eat borax. borax. Uh, I don't know if you're borax. No. Well, yeah, it's, sounds it's Borat, familiar. It's not Borat, which is that. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, comedian. That movie uh, uh, character, um, and it's not the Lorax, which is that character from Dr. Seuss. Borax is actually a laundry detergent booster. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I kind of click something there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in general, not a good idea to eat laundry detergent or anything associated with laundry detergent. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the one that come in in little? Uh, little no, those packets? are Tide Pods. Those are Tide Pods. Uh, wasn't so something was... with that too a while back? Yes, yes. Uh, see, there's too much stuff, good stuff coming on. 
Exactly. Yeah, I actually wrote about that uh, several years ago. I believe back in 2018 or so, that was the social media trend, the Tide Pod Challenge, where you basically mm. take these Tide Pods, put it in your mouth and show people that you're holding it in your mouth. Um, not a good idea uh, <laughs> in general. Like, in general, laundry products do not belong in your mouth. That's a general mm. rule. Um, mm. When you sit there and you're doing your laundry, don't sit there and say, gee, I wonder what that would be like in my mouth. That's mm. not a good idea. Mm. Um, so there was that. And now there's this Borax trend where people are claiming that eating this laundry detergent booster is going to do all sorts of things like protect you against Alzheimer's and cancer or I can't remember some of the other claims, but uh, infections that can like protect you against infections. Um, and, you know, my point is, like, if you're poisoning yourself with laundry detergent, then, yes, that may protect you against other <laughs> stuff, but because you don't have an opportunity to get other stuff. Uh, but it's a bad idea. Yeah, uh, you cannot get all sorts of problems by eating borax. So don't eat borax. Wow. So many places we could go with this. Um, yep. So, you know, I think we were talking last time about AI and uh, and how you start your days asking um, chat gpt what to do today because you yeah. trust it so much and exactly. and that that's that's a good joke but at least i think it's it it's almost like one of the situation where reality is weirder than fiction right so yeah. you know compare with these ideas um it sounds to me that i would listen to ai more than tiktok <laughs> to start so the point is why do why do you think that there is these trends that are clearly stupid let, let's let's use the word and why people do do they really believe it or they just go along with the with the joke for exposure and i don't know some celebrity moment what's your take on that yeah i mean i think there's a combination of several things and and, and there's a lot of tie um tie in with AI and chat GTP as well. And I actually had a conversation uh, just yesterday about this. Uh, there's concerns that with, you know, naturally AI and chat GTP, very lots of potential benefits, but one of the potential pitfalls is that uh, there can be a tendency to lean on things which are simple, meaning that, um, you know, if something's presented in a simple way, uh, a simple solution, then that can be more digestible. So, uh, so I can explain how that applies to AI in a second, but, but when it comes to like TikTok messages or social media messages, many times they're very simple. And when you get information that is simple, but there's maybe some potential grain of truth, then, you know, in general, if you sit there and say, oh, that doesn't make sense, but there's something like the, when something goes viral, like you hang a grain of truth on it and it tends to spread very uh, quickly. Now, with the borax situation, if you look in the scientific literature, there are some studies that have looked at the potential benefit, potential, because there's just a few studies, of using boron, B-O-R-O-N, mm. uh, to treat like to treat potential different types of cancers, to potentially help with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, people look a little bit, maybe, you know, boron in, um, uh, nutrients, like in food, like you can have different levels of boron in, uh, legumes, for instance, or, um, you know, uh, 
different type peanuts and those things like that, fruits, vegetables. But boron is not the same thing as borax. And Sounds like a new uh, Elon Musk product. You just add yes. an X. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, but that's the argument that's being used by some people on, like, there's this kind of blending of info and it's confusing. And, and you know, people who are not familiar with what boron is versus borax might say, oh, well, but yeah, there are, I guess there are some studies which look at boron. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. So if you dig deeper into some of these social media trends, you'll see that there's some of those complexities. You know, you sit, you sit back and say, oh, that's silly. Why are people doing that? But then you say, well, okay, there's certain kernels of truth that maybe cross over to some degree. Um, or people think of, oh, it's something that's used for laundry detergent. Therefore, it cleans stuff. So, you know, why not put it in my mouth? Well, obviously, that's a, that's an issue. But so what we're seeing is it's interesting. It is a sign of like, you know, what are the factors that help something communicate uh, communications occur? What, what are the factors that help something spread? If you think back in, I don't know, high school, um, you know, how rumors spread. Uh, and so if you didn't know someone and you hear this rumor and you're like, oh, okay, uh, that person wears this shirt. So, okay, that probably makes sense. And you don't really know, you know that's in high school where you actually can see the person. Imagine on social media where you don't really see people and, and you all you do is see this image and you think that maybe it makes sense. Hmm. Um, so that has a lot of implications because, you know, when you jump back to chat GP, uh, some folks, some folks the other day were worried. They say, "Will people start just relying on AI things without asking, like, how did they actually come up with it?" Um, and also, uh, will they start relying on AI analyses without saying, "Okay, well, what about alternative analyses, or how do we actually come up with something like this?" And that's really key because we have to remember that when you quote unquote AI something, there's an algorithm behind it. Right. There's some type of algorithm. It can be very simple. It could be someone just flipping a coin or it can be something really complex. And we don't talk about that as much because we all throw it in one category. Um, so we really need to stay curious and ask ourselves what's actually behind the algorithm. When someone comes to you and say, I've gotten, you know, an AI approach that can help you uh, improve your business or I have an AI approach that can help you decide what foods to eat or an AI approach that can help you determine the treatment. You have to add the next question should be, well, what's behind that? How are you actually figuring that out? And it's very similar with social media trends. You're like, okay, that seems really popular. Okay. You're, you're making some kind of sense with that. Well, what's behind that? How did you come up with that? Why are you telling me to do this? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I do see some crossovers in terms of that. And we really have to, you know, Think about that. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the the crossover for me is that you can't just pinpoint everything to technology because ultimately yeah. we are the one that made technology. I made a, I wrote a quote the other day. Uh, I put it on my website. It is, AI is only human after all, because yeah. we. I mean, even ChatGPT, it goes on and read everything that we wrote so far in the internet. So if it's learning, I mean, it's kind of like replicating our biases, replicating some paper that maybe somebody else put out there and it was completely fake, but 
hey, yep. it's on the internet. It must be true. It, they said it on the radio. I guess the Martian must have be here on our planet, and uh, we're just gonna go ahead and believe it. And what surprised me the most is that we have such a powerful tool. We have the Library of Alexandria of modern day in our hand, in our phone, and we just go in and and read read jokes on it. <laughs> we yeah. just know using exactly what the power of it is. I mean, you could cross-reference instead of just blindly following the, the crowd. So it's, it's very much a human problem. It's, I, in my opinion, it's, it's a human problem, not much of a technological problem. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It go, it, it's what goes into it. I mean, it's all like, you know, technology in itself is neither good nor bad. It's what, what it can facilitate and what, yeah, and then you're building things in the technology that will match human decision making. So it's what what are you actually programming into it? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind that also, you know, sort of riffing on this 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 um, uh, crossover with between AI and social media, we have to remember that, you know, there are algorithms that are governing who's seeing what on social media, because, you know, social media obviously is this huge flood and fire hose of stuff. So you don't see when you when you log on to something, you only see a very small percentage of what's actually on that platform because it's what's being presented to you. Uh, so I used the example. I remember I, I was writing, um, but I, I, I was writing a, a, a couple of years ago, uh, something in Forbes about, uh, you know, as people were wondering whether you can transmit uh, COVID via farts. So I wrote about some, you know, the evidence because, you know, people worry about, oh my goodness, I mean, if people are farting, am I going to get in? And I said, you know, you know, don't, don't worry too much about that. There was some, like some rumor that was spreading around that, 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 um, and spreading around, pun intended, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that uh, farts could transmit. So I was, I was sort of debunking that. So that also, as a result of that, I guess I maybe was searching for farts. Um, and then I also, for another reason, uh, uh, had, you know, some people had sent me some animal vid videos, videos of animals. So that I look, look, look at some of those videos. Well, lo and behold, when I logged onto, uh, YouTube, um, I was suddenly presented with a lot of videos of animals farting. So basically the algorithm said, you obviously like farts and then you always like animals. So here's some, some, um, hmm some videos of animals farting. So the algorithms were doing that. They're presenting you a certain thing. And then as you talked about, um, you know, how do these things spread? Well, the social media platforms will also identify the people who are more likely to be interested in seeing something and they'll see it and then that will propagate as well. So it's, it's the interface between, you know, what the technology is doing and what people are actually doing as a result. So that, and, bang, we suddenly have a social media trend as a result. Yeah. And for something, it's very useful because if it's true, let's say, you know, let, let's look at how that started or, I mean, commercially started, Amazon, right? Like that if you like this, then you're going to like that. And yeah. makes sense. If I buy books about the Lord of the Rings, I may like The Hobbit. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. I may like Harry Potter. I may yeah. like, uh, you know, a lot of other in the genre but don't ever make the mistake to go and and buy something for I don't know a kid because all of a sudden, I mean I like the Lorex, I like uh, all the the, the the little 
I mean, the, the fairy tales. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he must have changed his taste. Now let's just give him everything with, you know, <laughs> with, for kids. Yeah. So it's, it's, that was the beginning of a very simplified algorithm. And now it's much more complex, but it seems to me, I agree that it's still actually leveraging on this very, I mean, it's kind of like, don't share Amazon account with your wife, because then mm -hmm. you're, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to be suggested makeup and yeah. I, I may not need it. <laughs> right. So, so it's, it's so smart and yet not so smart. That's, I guess, yeah. my point. Yeah. It's interesting because I've, I've seen, um, you know, I, we, I've seen this over the years, too. I still remember that uh, uh, it was probably about, well, it was definitely about 12, 12 or 13 years ago. This was after the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. And so what many people don't realize is uh, early on in the flu pandemic, there was discussion about whether to do things like close schools and, you know, close workplaces and things like that. But it was determined you know, and, and, and our team was involved with uh, this work, trying to help determine, well, is it worthwhile closing schools and all those things like that? And we determined, no, 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 far too expensive, not worth it. There's going to be a vaccine coming down in the fall, so probably not necessary. So I remember after the pandemic, there was like a get together of, you know, people who were involved in the response. And one of the things that was said is, oh, uh, we have to be prepared for this because, you know, sometime in the future, not if, but when a pandemic comes around, there, there needs to be concerns about uh, doing non-pharmaceutical interventions. So, you know, mask wearing, social distancing, closing school, like, should it be done? How should it be done, et cetera? And I remember there was this conversation about, well, we need to build computer models to represent what might happen. And uh, I remember the conversations start off and there's a bunch of people in the room and someone said, okay, let's see, uh, what type of people are more likely to uh, panic more, uh, men or women? Someone said that. And it's like, that. that's a ridiculous question. Like you can't say that, oh, you know, one particular sex or one particular demographic is more likely to panic than another. You know, it's very, there's all kinds of people out there and all kinds of, you know, things your backgrounds, your beliefs, people around you, all these things like that. Uh, but I give that as an example that, you know, you can come up with a very simple behavioral algorithm that just like kind of just uses stereotypes and biases and just say, this person's going to do this, this person's going to do that. And I think that's some of the stuff that you've seen out there, some of those algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a real danger behind that because it doesn't really represent the person. Uh, it can actually misrepresent the person in many mm -hmm. ways. Uh, these algorithms are getting more complex, but um, but there's still simple ones out there. So we really have to look, again, we have to look under the hood what's actually being produced. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to pick your brain on this because I, I mentioned I, I'm kind of writing these philosophical thoughts about soci sociology and society and, and, um, and technology. And then, funny enough, I use... I have dialogue actually with chat uh, GPT and uh, it's interesting because if you ask the right questions and if you give the right prompt, I I'm actually learning a few things. It makes me think, right? And I think I mentioned this last time. So there is one that I, I kind of compare, you know, going into space and when people ask you, you know, like our friend Charlie's 
Camarda as an astronaut, like, like, why you go to space and, like, you know, we, to explore because that's what humans do. And, and also it's a way to learn about ourselves. I think, like, going in space has convinced a few people, not all, that the planet is actually a globe, right? It's spheric. It's not flat. <laughs> but not everybody's on board it's with that. It's not flat. Uh, Mark, what are you talking about? I'm a little... I'm a little distressed by hearing this news. Like uh, I said, not everybody is on board <laughs> with that. <laughs> but so I was running a parallel with looking in all this artificial intelligence now and technology. It's, it's a way to really say, look, it's not, this is just the way we are. And I don't want to be dystopian, but there is a reason why we've been doing war and we're believing in really stupid things and that we've been fighting science even when science tells you no look this is really proven this is what it is and now we we find all that in in this the tools that we create i mean they are reflecting ourselves so mm -hmm. i don't know what's your thought on this and how this maybe apply to to medicine as well i mean you you work with data you're you're showing people look this is a fact and people are going to be like yeah no I don't care. Uh, don't 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 tell me how I should think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is a fact. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about how some of this stuff can elucidate how people are thinking about things, or um... well, you know, it, it's kind of like okay, you know, pointing finger to how bad AI can be. It's kind of pointing yeah. the finger of how bad human can be because it's carrying the same biases that that we always had. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in the um, computer modeling and AI field for, for a while. Now, and one of the things that we talk about is that um, when you try to build models or you try to build algorithms to represent how people think uh, or act, it can actually tell you a lot about how people think or act, right? And so... Um, you know, you every day you make decisions about things and people. But if you were to actually sit there and kind of write it out, like sketch out, why are you making certain decisions? Mm. Why are you making certain assessments? It is very enlightening because we all we all assume, you know, I, I, I've, you've heard this many times. People will say, oh, I don't have a biased bone in my body or, mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, sure. you know, I'm very fair. I don't see color. I don't see all these types of things. But then when you actually look at it, you know, everyone has their biases. Uh, there's not a single person on earth that does not have significant biases because whenever someone walks into the room or something happens, you immediately already have a mental image of something like you already make some kind of assumption. And, you know, many times we have to hold ourselves back and say, Oh, no, don't assume that person's that way because they wearing that shirt or they look that way or something of that sort. And it can be very enlightening to actually sketch these out and write these out and then look at that because that, because like you said, that tells you more about human behavior. Um, so you're absolutely right. When people talk about, AI and those things like that, ultimately it comes down to what are humans putting into it. Um, and so we should work more on, look at more that, look at that more in a positive way and just say, okay, this is giving us some insight. That's why it's so important to know what's mm -hmm. under the hood with all yep. these algorithms. So important.
Yeah. And you know, make me think about, you probably read it. It's a, it's a book called Blink, The Power of Thinking yeah. Without Thinking, um, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. And that's a brilliant book. I remember, I'm actually pull it out now, 2007. And it was like, you know, how you make assumptions and then you adopt those assumptions because it's not maybe logic, but you already know that. I remember the example of some expert of art. He knew that a, a certain painting was fake, yeah. but everything, every data was telling him that it was not fake. But his first impression, he noticed something that blink, that that second, you know. It, so what I'm saying is sometimes it's actually a positive thing that we make this assumption and we make this decision immediately, but yeah. we don't control it, right? So there is the good and then there is the bad way you make your, and your assumption is really wrong, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you look at, for instance, a lot of these approaches, AI approaches, you know, machine learning, mm -hmm. for instance, et cetera, it's important to understand how these come about. They, you know, they, what they do is they look for, Different algorithms are designed to look for trends in different ways or, mm. you know, kind of go through a, a series of processes. And th they've been developed in ways to basically mimic. I mean, that's how humans think. Like, for instance, if you develop an AI algorithm that says, I'm going to look for any association in general between two or three different factors. And then if I see an association, I will apply it. That's what we do in with from a human standpoint, but many times that's biased, right? So say, say I go around and like every time someone wears a hat, you know, they put a pie in my face. Or it happened once. Oh, okay. Oh, again, a third time. Then I start saying, oh, I got to watch out for people with hats because mm -hmm. hat people wear hats. They put a pie in my face, right? But then you sit there and say, well. That, that makes no sense. I mean, it's, you don't like put on a hat and suddenly realize, boy, I really need to put a pie in someone's face, right? That just that just was happenstance. That just happened to be that. Maybe it's some other factor that drove those three people to happen to put a pie in your face. But that's what people will do in their thinking process. And then that's what some of the AI algorithms will do. They look for that trend and they say, okay, this is what I think is going on. Um, and we And many times we forget that right because we think that an ai thing is just someone that's thinking but it's been programmed a certain way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think I, I was just asking you this before and then we, we kind of got sidetracked but is this helping medical research more than i don't know damaging it and and i mean i know it does help but yeah does it also help people to understand what's happening under the hood or maybe as educator we're not doing a good job about that see what i'm where i'm going with this yeah so in medicine it's interesting and this is this and, and there's been a lot of news that's been cropping up recently about this about you know different types of applications of ai to to uh, uh different aspects of medicine and i think there's certainly areas where it can help immensely there's certain areas where it can help, but it depends on how you're actually applying it. And then if you apply it in the wrong way, it can hurt. And then there's certain things where we should really should not be using it. Um, and so I would say areas where 
and there's a lot of areas like this in medicine where that involve very, um, you know, using kind of large amounts of data, things that are just very like intensive that you don't necessarily need to have a human with, within it, or you can have a human on the side or you can double check what a human does. So like, you know, one example, of course, is, you know, you looking at like x-rays and CT scans and those things like that. Sure, why not have uh, some type of computational or AI approach to help synthesize all that information and provide some additional information? You can still have a human checking to make sure it makes sense, but that can help immensely. Or when you were working with large amounts of data to give you some insights, those are areas when it absolutely can help. I'm seeing some areas where they're talking about, well, can we use AI to show empathy? Um, and that's that's opposite. Like I understand in the absence, like if you have absolutely no one that can help, but that can also go down a slippery slope because uh, empathy is a complex thing, right? So some people try to break it down and say, well, empathy is, you know, saying things like, oh, that must be hard for you. That must be hard for you. But a lot of it is really actually understanding a person's situation, knowing someone over years, you know, like, like for instance, if you have a doctor that you've known for like 10, 20 years, that's very different from a doctor that you've known for like 10 minutes, right? So, so we just have to be careful about those things. And I think one of the challenges here right now is we're seeing it applied in a very haphazard way. Um, so in some cases, I think it can be very helpful in other places, more challenging. We also have to remember that diagnoses um, is a combination of looking at the facts, looking at, you know, the evidence, it's never a hundred percent. And then you're also bringing in like balancing factors, like balancing the personal person's personal situation and those things like that. So, uh, there's a lot of complexity involved in there. Sometimes I feel like we're kind of rush in the future or want it to be there, but it's yeah. not really there. It's kind of like when people, I mean, you mentioned empathy and when you hear in the news that some researcher at like Google or Microsoft or any other AI program, they're like, well, I'm really seeing cognitive reaction in the machine and everybody's yeah. else like, I think you want to see that. That doesn't, they don't really love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just binary number going in there. You yeah. want it to love you, but uh, maybe you're kind of eluding yourself. So maybe we're, we're rushing it. We need to keep it, I think, in the way, in the things that really work. And it's kind of like tunnel focus objective. I know AI works really well. When you're trying to make it to human, I, I don't like the word. Okay. Why do we call it in? intelligence, artificial intelligence. I, I don't know. It's intelligence is a pretty big, it's a pretty high standard. We couldn't call it, I don't know, artificial um, kind of getting there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, AK, uh, G, uh, AKGT. A little harder yeah, but, to say. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, you set the expectation pretty, pretty high. The bar is high. Intelligence. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, you know, again, that's a problem with, with catchphrases and catchwords. They, yeah. they don't really kind of um, portray really what's going on. And I've, we've seen this many times before that when technology comes out, there's not really, there can, many times there's not really 
thinking about how best to use it, how best to apply it. Like, you know, the technology gets, comes out, everyone kind of rushes and says, oh, and it becomes the buzzword. So everyone's like, let's try to incorporate it. And one of the things I've seen in the AI field is, you know, the quality of the AI ranges from stuff that's very good and very well thought out to just, just garbage. Like people will call something AI, but it's really garbage and it has nothing to do with decision making. So people just rush out, just like any fad. They just rush out and they know if I, if I attach this to this, it's going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to have lots of friends. I'm going to get, you know, be able to get funding or people are going to buy this stuff. And then, you know, there's this rush. And then what happens is there's this rush. You get all these applications. And then you have to sit back and say, oh, my goodness, what kind of mess did we create? And mm. let's, you know, now we've got to clean it up. Instead, what you have to do is at the same time, you have to start thinking about, well, what's the best ways to apply this? Where, where is this really needed? You know, how do we sort of integrate a lot of the human and social and behavioral aspects into what we're actually doing and do it sort of in the smart way? Otherwise, we're going to we're going to miss a lot of opportunities, I think. And that's I think that's one of the big challenges right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The role of regulation, I think, in this case, it's uh, it's quite important. I know that a few days ago there was a big meetings at the White House uh, with big company in AI that are saying, yeah, it's a voluntary um, <laughs> subscription to the program. So we'll see if they actually do it, you know, but you know, yeah. they, they were there. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in pausing it because if it seems a train already left you can't just pause it like i don't know I mean, yeah. everybody stop that but you know the fact that we're talking about it but i'm afraid that i don't know i i, I don't want i don't like to compare it to to the atomic bomb and we can talk about Oppenheimer, the movie or other <laughs> things but it's uh it's there you yeah i'm gonna stop it so well that's why things happen. things like for instance i mean uh, you know your, your, your podcasts, uh, Marco, where you're talking about technology, I think those are things are really important because these are conversations that need to be had. And then you, at the same time, when you're developing AI, you need to develop the other stuff too. You need to develop different types of infrastructure. You need to develop different ways, you know, people kind of thinking about these issues, people think about the straight, you've got to develop strategies and those things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we've just seen it time and time again, technology will come out it will never be, it, it doesn't get fully leveraged. Like you miss opportunities. It gets used haphazardly, right in some ways, wrong in other ways. Um, so this has been a repeat cycle. So, I mean, it's great that you're, uh, we have people like you talking about it because it needs to generate discussion and there needs to be more support for that, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and most of all, don't, don't eat borax. Do not eat borax. <laughs> Do not cover yourself with beer. If you want to tan in general, it's not a good idea to cover yourself with beer. Uh, if you want to go to a date or a job interview and you cover yourself with beer, most likely it's not going to come out. You know, unless, gonna, unless yeah. you're applied to work at Oktoberfest in Munich, in that case yeah. may, may help. Then it may be positive. Yeah. It may be a positive thing. <laughs> the borax still no. not a good idea. Still not a good idea, but the beer might. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, like, and, and then and then we close because, of course, we, we'll come back next time and and take it over. I'm sure we're going to go in AI uh, again because you have to talk about that. But like, so if this algorithm would detect that people are pretty much hurting themselves by 
talking about eating board. Like algorithm, please look for eating mouth and borax in the same sentence. Let, let you know, alert and let's stop this. But oh. then you go into politics, into like freedom of creating content and one thing and another, like could we use it for good? <laughs> like seriously, like when you monitor chat for terrorism or uh, you know child pornography and then you act but i mean you know can can we maybe leverage technology for this kind of thing i'm not comparing that with what i just said but in a way it's like why not use it if we have it yeah i remember actually watching a um a speech by speaking of borat uh, speaking of borat <laughs> cohen the um the actor yeah. who plays borat uh, he he gave a talk maybe I don't know several years ago, where he was talking about how um, you know it's not you, you've got social media and people talk about like you know freedom saying whatever you want to say. Well, like in the past, if you wanted to publish something in a major you know newspaper or anything like that, that you can't just say anything. You know, so so you know that when you're reading, picking up the New York Times, when you're picking up Time Magazine. It's been through editors and mm -hmm. people are very careful, but it's been fact checked and all those things like that. You know, for the most part, you know, every now and then there's 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 something missed and then they go back and but, but for the most part everything is you know checked and there's there's legitimacy behind it. Yeah, on the flip side, you have social media, none of it's checked. I mean, maybe some to some degree. There's a big difference there. So you you have to say, you know, it does that make sense? Like you, you can't just say that, oh, okay, this is, um, you know, this is the same thing as, as a media publication. It isn't. Things have been checked a lot, whereas social media, you can, you can, you can make something up tomorrow and just post it up there and it could, could go viral. So we have to really decide um, if, if something is being treated like a legitimate source, then does that need to have the same checks that other real legitimate sources have? Mm -hmm. Those are real, real questions that need to be asked because yeah. that's real, 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 real deep question on, I mean, yeah, we've always regulated that. That's why we used to say, if they said it on TV, it's true because, yeah. you know, unless you lived maybe in a, uh, in a country that was making propaganda the, the way of governing, then uh, then yes, you know, like it, somebody check fact that. When you look at yep. a documentary or, or any show on science, you usually say that there is a lot of people working in the background that, yep. that fact check, that they research, that they interview, that they tell you who they interview, what the biography is <laughs> for writing a certain article. Yeah. And now you just wake up one morning and and go out there, which is beautiful from a access to create information. And it really sucks because for the same reason, because it's too easy to create information. So exactly. I think with that, we can leave the bar. I think okay. that was a really good conversation. We're in for about 40 minutes. Okay. Uh, there is more where they come from. There's this bar that you're sitting in. It's it's really cool, by the way, that, that it, AI made that. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, thank you. I think it's a great bar. As you can see, there's no one else here. 
so maybe it's the fact that I pour beer all over myself that that's why no one else is here, but who knows? Is the, is the Bruce bar. There yes. you go. All right. Well, Bruce, uh, I always look forward for, to this conversation, not knowing what we got ourselves into, but uh, I hope people enjoy it. I enjoy it. It makes me think. Uh, I learn a lot of stuff from you, and uh, and I hope you are also enjoying it, as I hope that the entire audience is. So there'll be link to all your social media. There'll be link to uh, the YouTube video if they're listening, or if you're on the YouTube and then you want to share the podcast, you can do that. And uh, yeah, just subscribe, stay tuned. We'll get together again in about uh, a month from now, and who knows? I mean, a month is. It's a lifetime in technology and and uh, and medicine as well. So a lot can happen. Yes. A lot can happen. All right. Well, stay safe until then. And I'm really looking forward to meet you again in the same bar. Me, you, a carbon, a silicon, and a and a cell. And then we'll yep. see what happens. All right. Very good. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.